Okay, y'all, open up God's Word to 1 Kings chapter 21. While you're opening there, you might think that I'm going to do this, and you're right. Uh, Let me tell you a little bit about the Reformation. Uh, There's five solas that it's known by, and I think it's pretty fitting. Uh, It's actually, in God's providence, a wonderful introduction uh, to what we might see today. Uh, I think um, God is good in that way. Uh, But if y'all are unfamiliar with these solas, uh, I kind of like to let it flow. I don't really use the Latin. I prefer the English. And so uh, you say it's it's by God's grace alone. That is, that God is doing something that we don't deserve. So it's by grace alone. And that happens through the faith that he gives us. So it's by grace alone through faith alone. How do we know this? Well, we see it in the Bible alone, right? So it's by grace alone and faith alone alone. Through the Bible alone. And what do we see in the Bible? We see the Lord Jesus alone, right? If you're going to wonder what in the world are we looking at in the scriptures, (laughs) we're looking at Jesus. From the beginning to the end, God is revealing a redemptive history, a redemptive narrative, salvation through historical fact, as he's showing over and over Jesus Christ and that there is salvation to be had in him because of that grace alone, through that faith and alone, because of God's word alone, in Christ alone. And why? All to God's glory alone. Not my glory. I'm a sinner. I'm a nobody. Not to y'all's glory. You're sinners. You're nobodies. But God says that you're somebody. You're enough that he would send his own son by grace alone, through faith alone, in the Bible alone. In Christ alone, all to the glory of God alone. It's the five solas of the Reformation. It's what what people began to see as they opened up the word. And now here today, what does it mean for us? Because it must mean something. We can't be Sunday morning 11 o'clock Christians in the 21st century. I would actually tell you you couldn't be that in the 20th century either. But right now, of all times, we can't just be people who say that we're Christians because we go to church on Sunday morning at 11. That's a piece of it. But that's not what it is. So what does it mean? What do those solas mean? What does our heritage mean? We see the answers here today with that man Naboth and that wicked king and queen Ahab and Jezebel. That's a question for us today. Are you gospel aware? That is, are you aware of that gospel that you confess with your lips? Are you aware of it? Uh, is it? Is it on your mind in your life on Monday morning when you wake up? Or Thursday morning? Or whatever morning? Is it there in the evening? Is it there when you're alone with the door closed and the blinds? Shut. Is it there on your date? Is it there at work with your family? Are you gospel aware? It's the question for us today. Let me pray. We're going to read God's word together. Heavenly Father, Lord, bless this word. A word that we have and can understand by your Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray, give us ears to hear and eyes to see. In Jesus' name, amen. This is 1 Kings chapter 21, start with verse 8. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal. And she sent the letters to the elders and the leaders who lived with Naboth in his city. 
And she wrote in the letters, proclaim a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people and set two worthless men opposite him and let them bring a charge against him saying, you have cursed God and the king. Then take him out and stone him to death. And the men of his city, the elders and the leaders who lived in his city, did as Jezebel had sent word to them, as it was written in the letters that she had sent to them. They proclaimed a fast and set Naboth at the head of the people. And the two worthless men came in and sat opposite him. And the worthless men brought a charge against Naboth in the presence of the people, saying, Naboth cursed God and the king. So they took him outside the city and stoned him to death with stones. Then they sent to Jezebel, saying, Naboth has been stoned. He's dead. As soon as Jezebel heard that Naboth had been stoned and was dead, Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite, which he refused to give you for money. For Naboth is not alive, but dead. And as soon as Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, Ahab arose to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite to take possession of it. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Arise, go down to meet Ahab king of Israel, who is in Samaria. Behold, he is in the vineyard of Naboth, where he has gone to take possession. And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, Have you killed and also taken possession? And you shall say to him, Thus says the Lord, In the place where dogs licked up the blood of Naboth shall dogs lick your own blood. Ahab said to Elijah, Have you found me, O my enemy? He answered, I have found you, because you have sold yourself to do what is evil in the sight of the Lord. Behold, I will bring disaster upon you. I will utterly burn you up and will cut off from Ahab every male, bond, or free in Israel. And I will make your house like the house of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and like the house of Baasha, the son of Ahijah, for the anger to which you have provoked me, and because you have made Israel to sin. And of Jezebel, the Lord also said, The dogs shall eat Jezebel within the walls of Jezreel. Anyone belonging to Ahab who dies in the city, the dogs shall eat. And anyone of his who dies in the open country, the birds of the heavens shall eat. There was none who sold himself to do what was evil in the sight of the Lord, like Ahab, whom Jezebel, his wife, incited. He acted very abominably in going after idols, as the Amorites had done, whom the Lord cast out before the people of Israel. And when Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh, and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying, Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days, but in his son's days I will bring the disaster upon his house. The grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of the Lord, it, it stands, it remains forever. Even the tough words, even the words that perhaps you might wish your pastor would skip over because it goes from G-rated to a bit more intense pretty quickly. Uh, but nevertheless, God has a word for us, a question to answer. Are you gospel aware, dear children of mine, is what he is asking as we see these events play out. As we're answering that question, are you gospel aware? Large life concepts begin to conceptualize, and we see it here. One of the large life concepts is that we're not always right, 
and that things are not always right. It's the problem of sin, the problem of evil, the problem of suffering. It's at the forefront of this Bible passage. I hope that it was pretty evident to you as we read. You know, we do wrong things. Wrong things happen to us. And more than that, we are no longer looking to God for answers, but rather we are desperately trying to be our own little gods in our own little fiefdoms, which only makes matters worse for us and those around us. To be aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be aware of the need for the good news in the first place. And we see that need when we look at this sin-sick world on display in verses 8 through 16. And perhaps you might be reminded of now when we read it. An ugly and devious plot is hatched by wicked Queen Jezebel to kill an innocent man because childish King Ahab is crying in the corner. Literally. Jezebel plots. Ahab pouts. The thugs accuse. The people respond. And every single one of them operated in sin, in disobedience to God's design and will for how things should be. And Naboth dies. He's just a grape farmer. He's just trying to hold on to his father's heritage, to God's salvation. He's just a grape farmer. And Naboth dies. And this happens every day of every week, of every month, of every year. And it has happened every day of every week, of every month, of every year since sin entered the world. And it's happening to you right now, or it's happening through you. Just depends on where you're sitting today. Are you gospel aware? If you are, then you know why we need the good news of the Lamb of God who takes the sin away from the world. You know the depths of your own sin and your desperate need for salvation. You know the darkness of sin that's done to you, the pain of a broken world that breaks you. You know the deterioration that this sinful world has on body and mind, that death is coming for us all. If you were gospel aware, you know about sin one way. Or the other. But that's not all you know. There's more. And part of that more is justice. Verses 17 through 26 is where we see that. If you are gospel aware, you know that God is going to answer the sin of this world. And he shows that explicitly with the actions that follow Naboth's death. Remember I said Naboth is just a great farmer? He is just a great farmer who is the son of God, right? He is a child, right? He is one whom God has called as his own, adopted him, given him land. And so as a father grieves and as a father exacts justice, we see God's judgment. 
God sends his prophet Elijah to remind Ahab of his immense displeasure because of the sin. In one sense, the point is simple. You did wrong, Ahab, and now you will pay. But there is also a depth to the statement because it's God who is speaking. The payment of judgment is perfectly measured by God, which we can also see in verses 17 through 26. As Naboth died, I hope you saw it, so shall Ahab and Jezebel. And if you're having trouble seeing that connection, follow the dogs. Because they sold themselves for worldly gain, they will be utterly burned up and cut off. Those are God's words through Elijah, not my own. In other words, they won't have a lasting spiritual heritage. The very thing they took away from Naboth, or, or that they thought they took away. No, they will be burned up and cut off. A perfect judgment. Because they dragged other Israelites into sin through temptation and misguidance, they will also be associated with the group of terrible, faithless, and sinful kings of Israel that came before, who did the very same thing. You saw those names. I encourage you to look them up in the previous chapters if you might be unfamiliar with who they are. Let me just say it like this. You would not want to be associated with such. With the sins against Naboth as the prime example, the straw that breaks the camel's back, it has become clear that Ahab and his household have abandoned the ways of God, so God pronounces hard justice upon them. And if you're gospel aware, you know that the judgment is just. You know it's deserved. You know there is consequence for going against God, against God's commandments, and against God's people. And perhaps most important of all, if you are gospel aware, you know that you're closer to Ahab than you are to Naboth. You know it in your heart of hearts where you stand in this story. And it's not near Naboth, but near Ahab. You beat your chest with your face in the dirt like that parable that Jesus mentions, the tax collector and the Pharisee. You know that you should not cast your eyes upwards to the heavens, but that you should remain face down in the dirt, begging, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. You know, just like the people of God did before Mount Sinai when God spoke the Ten Commandments, you know just like they did. Moses, don't ever let God speak again because we're going to be burned up. We need a mediator, they said. We need someone in between us and God because we are sinners and God is just and his justice will be meted out, even if the timing is not our own. If you are gospel aware, you know that no one is righteous. No, not one. That all have fallen short of the glory of God and that there is justice coming in punishment. And so, with gospel awareness we come to the necessary follow-up to justice, which is payment. It's the third and final point. We sin, 
We know justice is coming from God's own perfect hand. Therefore, there will be payment. What is that payment? But what we see here with Ahab, verses 27 through 29, is there an answer? On earth and in the hands of fallen humanity, with its greed, pride, deceit, and general sinfulness, justice's clear waters are immediately muddied. Everyone screams for a justice of their own choosing. Everyone desires to be judge, jury, and executioner, or at least the ones appointing those three things. Everyone wants strict justice for the other, but not for themselves. In a world that now claims with seriousness, I'm not joking and I'm not being uh, extreme Go out onto the streets and test to see if what I say is true in a world that claims with seriousness that there is no objective truth. They at the same time cry for objective justice. But you cannot have justice without truth. It just can't exist apart from one another. Can't you see the folly of the world that we live in, even right now, with the events that are playing themselves out every single day. And here's the real truth with a capital T, and we see it here in bold. God is in control. God has a plan, and justice belongs to God. When you recognize these things, when you become aware, there is no response but Ahab's. Verse 27, when Ahab heard those words, that is not the parenthetical statement in verses 25 and 26, but rather those that we see in 20 through 24. When Ahab heard those words, he tore his clothes and put sackcloth on his flesh and fasted and lay in sackcloth and went about dejectedly. When we become aware of our own sin and the needed justice upon us that follows, when we know that payment is coming due, our whole being, our very souls, they change. And the primary change is a transition from pride to humility. We see that with Ahab. Whether Ahab wanted to or not, God revealed the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ through him. But it might not be what we expect at first. Whether Ahab had a belief and a repentance that saved his very soul, that's in the hands of God. I will not cast judgment upon such things. But we can see clearly God's revelation of necessary payment. To put it simply, payment must be rendered for Naboth and others like him. Ahab humbled himself before God, but this was not payment for his sin. Humility before God is recognizing who God has always been and who you have always been. That's not payment for your sin. Payment is still required even when you say sorry. Go to the bank where your mortgage is. Say sorry. I am, I'm humble now. I'm so sorry. I uh, don't have it. They say, oh. That's not how this works. Payments still do. I'm thankful you're sorry, but that's not how it works. Verse 29. Have you seen how Ahab has humbled himself before me? It's a 
God speaking. Because he has humbled himself before me, I will not bring the disaster in his days. But in his son's days, I will bring the disaster upon his house. Payment for your sin is still required. And the same is true for you. You must answer for all this sin that you have done and accumulated. All the suffering and frustration and broken commands that lie at your feet. All the pain and the pleasure, the willful ignorance and the willful knowledge. The lazy neglecting of your duties and the presumptuous assumption that you could do it without God. The lust, the anger, the malice, the idolatry in your lives and mine. Posture is not enough. Payment is coming due for me and for you. And this is the moment that separates Christianity from the world. This is the moment that separates you from the world. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus. Because our God provides a payment to meet that justice which is his own. If you are gospel aware, you know who paid the price for you. Jesus Christ. The Son of God and the Son of Man. It's no joke. If you're gospel aware, you realize that it's a costly sending of His Son because you deserve that judgment which Jesus took. You know yourself. You don't know me. You can act like you know me, but you don't know my heart. Only God knows my heart, but you know you, and God knows you, and you know what you deserve. And Jesus took that for you who believe. That's the gospel. He lives this perfect life. He intercedes on your behalf. He sacrifices on your behalf. He rises up and he intercedes. He prays. He's praying right now. He sends his Holy Spirit. He empowers you. He gives you the strength to continue on. He does it all for you. And who you are in your soul who you know yourself to be. It's, it's not a fake who you are when you put your suit on on Sunday. I have a confession to make. I wear a suit one day of the week, and it's today. I wear jeans and boots every other day, but y'all know that if you've been to my office. You know that when I went to the hospital. You know that when I come into your house. Does that change me? No, but if you only knew me, with my dress shoes on. Did you really know me? Now you know more. Now you know more. God knows it all. And he knows what shoes you got on and when you got them on. He knows where you go and why you do what you do. And he sent his son anyway because of his own love. Nothing you could do can save you. He chooses to save you. He gives you everything. And it's the gospel that we proclaim here at Centennial. But it cannot be a Sunday morning 11 o'clock gospel. If it is, Centennial deserves to be raised to the ground and salt put on it. It's over. We cannot do that. It cannot be the way forward. We must be those who are gospel aware every single moment of our life. Jesus tells us, stay awake. We must be those who are awake, dear Christians. For the time has come when enemies march 
Our children are in danger. We are in danger. But God is for us. And to quote great King David, if God is for us, why are you afraid? To quote that Apostle Paul, if God is for us, who can be against us? To quote that great Savior Jesus Christ, if you listen to my words and you build your house on that rock, it will not wash away. I am for you. I have come for you. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the bread. I am for you and for those that would believe. Centennial, are you gospel aware? Because right now, the world needs people who are gospel aware. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, please, would you please make us more and more gospel aware? Can we be a people who don't neglect what you have given us, which is salvation and a way out of the muck and the mire and the sickness of who we once were? God, we are but children, and we really need you, O oh Father, to help us. And so, God, do it for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name, amen.